Hey, Simis, welcome to another episode of the So This Is My Wife podcast. I'm your host and producer, Lingya. And today, since it's the final day of 2023, I thought I would do something a little bit different. So today is a solo episode, and I thought I would be answering some questions that you have sent to me. I received some voice notes and some that were actually written. So for those that have written in, I will read them out. But let's get started. Hey, Lingya. My name is Nathan. So I'm a content writer with an agency that writes about international education. So the one question I have is, what's one word to sum up your 2023? Hi, Nathan. Thank you so much for sending in your question. So one word is so very, very hard. And of course, you had to send this in as a content writer yourself. I think if there was one word to sum it up, it's really just opportunity. And I think... That is the word that comes to mind simply because for the longest time I had thought of taking leap and it was really scary because I honestly thought that there was an opportunity out there. I thought if I quit, well, who would want to work with me? Could I even find work? Could it be sustainable even if I found it? And how would I even prove myself? And it's bizarre to think of that now because it's been over six months, time has flown by and I've realized that there are so very, very many opportunities. When I started this leap, I honestly called this year the year of yes. And I meant it. I really wanted to say yes to all the interesting things. And I like to think that I have. But at the same time, I was surprised by the number of no's that I was saying. And I said no because I quickly realized that I only have so much time and so much energy. And there was a lot to do that was taking up all my time and all my energy. So I had to say no more often than yes. That need to be really cautious with how I spend that time and energy came surprisingly fast just because there were so many opportunities out there. So that's also something that I hope people take on as well. I know for a fact that this is not confined just to me. There are plenty of opportunities out there and I didn't see it because I just didn't put myself out there. So if you're holding yourself back because you think that there isn't a door that's going to open, I would say share that thought, put fillers out, just try and just say yes to everything until you reach a point where you realize that, hey, maybe I should say no because I want to focus and double down on the things that I've already said yes to. This is Keith from Steve Melody. We built writing and analytics tool for founders to grow their brand and businesses on LinkedIn. So I have two questions for you. The first one, knowing what you know now, if you can do it all over again, what would you change? Hey, Keith, I'm going to stop you right there first and answer the first question. So thank you firstly for sending in two questions. And I think if there was one thing I could do all over again, is that I would have started earlier. I think when I first started my career, it was very much focused on just law. And it was an 80, 90 hour week sort of career. So I honestly didn't have the capacity, the time, the energy to think about anything else. But it was also the fact that I never imagined there was anything else to look into in the first place which is a shame. So that's one thing, the fact that I never considered there was anything else beyond law. And secondly, the fact that I never even thought of, and I know I talk about it all the time, but I never thought of the importance of personal branding. For me at the start of my career, the thought of, oh, I have to put myself out there. People need to know what I'm doing and I need to attract clients. I thought, oh, I probably have to think about that only five, 10 years down the road, not now. Big, big mistake. There's so many people who are already doing this and it could be something as simple as, I'm really interested in this subject matter. I don't know the first thing, but I'm going to start learning and sharing my learnings with you. And just the fact that they've spent five hours to synthesize their learnings in one very short, maybe 500 word summary 
it's something that over time they keep at it and do it for say one year, two year, three years. Well, firstly they become an authority. Secondly, they become associated with this. Thirdly, they start attracting the right people. And fourthly, doors and opportunities start to open. So I really wish that I had that awareness of the importance of really pursuing the things that I'm interested in. Not so much with the perspective of, oh, I'm going to quit my job, but more just the fact that we all have something that's really interesting that will exercise a different part of my brain, gets me excited and pushes me further. So that's really important to firstly do that so I will get excited no matter what and have something that's mine and mine alone. And secondly, to have really just built my personal brand because I only started being serious about building my personal brand on LinkedIn a year ago. And if we were to really take it back to when I really started putting myself out there, it was three years ago when I started building these. So it's my white podcast. Three years versus if I had started on day one of me entering the workforce, i.e. almost 10 years ago, gosh, that's three times the amount of time. And I'm sure three times the amount of work and personal brand that we've built. And that's a shame. But you know what? There's nothing they can do about it. And it's better to just move forward. But for those who are listening, who are hesitating, I really would strongly encourage you to look at the little things that you can do to build your personal brand because that's the one thing no one can ever take away from you no matter where you end up going or doing. Same question. Have you ever experienced imposter syndrome? How did you overcome your fear of being a public figure? Thanks. So... Firstly, it's very strange to hear you ask about the question of public figure. I don't think I'm a public figure at all. I think sometimes people do recognize me or that at least they recognize my podcast. And that's always very, very thrilling. So there is no fear of public figure-ishness just because I don't think I am one and it doesn't feel that way. But in terms of imposter syndrome, that's just something that I don't struggle with at all. Just because I'm very much of the opinion that everyone has their own journey I honestly don't want to be someone else apart from myself. So why would I feel imposter syndrome? That's one thing. Secondly, also, I love stories because I feel like I learn a lot from them. And if there's one thing I've noticed after interviewing over 150 people, it's the fact that everyone suffers from imposter syndrome. Even people who have achieved the kind of things that I know I will never achieve in this lifetime. And they still suffer from imposter syndrome. One example is the former president of the UK Supreme Court, David Neuberger, and he said that when he was sitting at the UK Supreme Court, he would look at the big doors in front of him and he would think, oh my gosh, one day one of his classmates is going to walk through the door, see him at his desk, behind, at his judge's desk and go, my God, is that David Neuberger? And if David of all people, and mind you, if you're not in the law industry for context, David is someone that every single law student knows and has studied. So if someone like David Steele feels it, then I feel a lot better because it's very, very normal. It's even healthy because if you didn't have that imposter syndrome, then you're probably going to be very arrogant. You're probably going to think you're so much better than others. You're not going to strive. And that's a dangerous path to fall under. So rather than experiencing imposter syndrome, I would say it's more gasiness or... And this is something that the Kalabits say a lot. And I learned a lot when I was preparing my interview with Datuk Sri Idris Jala. It's the word katwit, which is the same as kiasu, which basically means you feel very ambitious and you want to be better than the person. So I think that's far healthier and far better. And that's something that I do feel, especially when I see other people doing the same things that I do. But it's more for me to internalize and go, 
hey, don't sit on your laurels. Other people are doing that because they really put themselves out there. And don't you want to achieve that too and see how far you can go? So that's how I see things. Now, let's see what other questions we have. So Amanda Kwa. Hi, Amanda. So she's a former steamy guest. She's the founder and CEO at Backscoop. And she basically said, give us some hot takes. Gosh, there's a lot. Some that I can't actually record. I think one thing that comes to mind is the fact that there is a tremendous difference between someone who has a very high number of followers and someone who has an actual raving fan base. And I say this because I noticed that at the start of my journey, when I was interviewing people, I thought, okay, this person's episode is going to do really, really well because they have so many followers. And I release it and it's crickets. Then I release someone who has never, ever been interviewed before. They are very shy. They have no idea how media works in the first place. And they just really, really go viral. Then, of course, there's an in-between as well. Those who are very popular and really do get that kind of reach as well. And I noticed that that's because these people, the latter group, they've really built a community of people who just really, really care about what they do. So it doesn't matter what they touch. Whether it's, hey, go for this event or, hey, buy this product that I'm selling or, hey, listen to this interview that I just did. When they say that, their followers will do it. Whereas there's another group where they would say these things and it's, so of course you want to be the former. And the question is, how do you be the former? I think it's really a question of, well, how genuine you are. We talk about it all the time. Be authentic. What does that mean? Well, how would you define authentic? I think it's when you see someone who's really open and just not trying to put an air. They are not saying everything's rosy and they're really opening up and saying, these are the things that I struggle with and these are the ways that you can also do what I do if you're interested as well. Everyone has a different take on authenticity and it's an eternal struggle. But that's how I think about it. Now, Josh Wong, you have another question for me. So Josh is a founder and director at Stride Media in Jirabahad. You have three questions for me, my goodness. What are some of the biggest struggles of doing a podcast full-time now? Huh. The biggest struggle is still finding time, which is really, really crazy for me. I honestly thought I'll have so much time, but guess what? I just missed three weeks of releasing a new episode. And it's because I just don't have the time. Because I'm not just doing the podcast. I'm also running my own personal branding business. And I realized that I need to start being really disciplined in 2024. I need to be really clear on what days are set aside to do certain things. Because now it's still very much in flux. Whatever is most urgent. If the deadline's tomorrow, let me do that. And if there is a deadline for personal branding work. Or I'm doing five interviews with Steamy. And I'm not prepped for it yet. Then the release of an episode gets pushed down. So biggest struggle, finding the time, finding the discipline as well to do podcasts. What are some of the misconceptions of running your own podcast? I think some of the misconceptions, the biggest one anyway, is that people look at it and think, okay, everyone's doing a podcast. I should do a podcast as well because I want to reach an audience. I want to be able to sell products and services. Yes, that does happen, but it's a terrible journey to go on. And if that is your intention, I would say perish the thought. Because podcast is the last thing in the world that will ever allow you to reach an audience quickly. If you're willing to invest at least five to 10 years before you start seeing some kind of traction, unless you're really lucky, then 
I really would say is just a labor of love for the longest time. Most people never get to monetize, but how they monetize is to create an ancillary product or service to the podcast. So for instance, if I am a Pinterest agency, then I would do a podcast all about Pinterest and I would then say, hey, I can also help you to build a presence on Pinterest for your business. So come and work with my agency. So I'm not monetizing directly or not in a significant way anyway, my podcast, but I'm monetizing through the creation and provision of services and products ancillary to the subject matter of the podcast. Now, final question, what do we not see as an audience? I think you really don't see the sheer amount of effort it takes to get a podcast guest onto the podcast. It is a pain. In 2023, a lot of the guests have come on and they're incredible. They really are the product of outreach and continuous follow-up and work that began in 2020. So that's three years in the making. Some are two years. Some have taken one year. Some still haven't said yes or they have said, I'm too busy, check next year. Getting the guests on takes forever. And even if you schedule something, they might not turn up. I've had one guest who basically agreed to schedule it five times and each of those five times never turned up. And that was really difficult. And the second thing that you don't see, even when the podcast interview doesn't go on, I still feel exhausted. I think it's because you really hype yourself up. You're in that mental frame of conducting a really intense one and a half interview. And when it doesn't happen, that energy is still spent and you still feel as though you actually done it. That's the first thing. And the second thing is that when you do do it, you are still very, very, very exhausted. I barely speak and I'm so tired. And all I want to do at the end of an interview is to just go home and sleep. So those are two things that you don't see as an audience. Now let's move on to Craig Davis. So you have several questions. Firstly, what was the biggest lesson you learned in 2023? Biggest lesson is that there are so many incredible people out there who are so generous with their time and also just with their contacts and opportunities as well. So I just came back from attending Comic Fiesta at KLCC. I didn't even know there was such a thing. And I'm told that it's very much like Comic Con in San Diego. And the reason I got to do that is because Jared Lee, who's the founder of the Green Films and someone I just interviewed and whose episode I will release in 2024, very kindly said, if you'd like to come, let me know and I'll let you in. And that's how I ended up going to the Fiesta. So thank you, Jared, so very, very much for your generosity. I learned a lot. I'm very shocked by the fact that there's an entire section of the world's population that I didn't even know of. I mean, I've never been to a cosplay and I cannot fathom why people would buy figurines of anime females with big boobs. But that's just me. Now, second question from Greg. What did you learn this year that you didn't learn last year? My biggest misconception is that everyone I spoke to would say my first year, two years was the toughest. I struggled, couldn't get any clients. I was really desperate on the verge of giving up. I really, very, very thankfully have never gone through that. If anything, I have loved life and the freedom to just go anywhere, go to Singapore, be with my parents for a significant amount of time, and also just continue to build my business as well. So that's something I've really, really learned. Yes, entrepreneurship is very difficult. Yes, entrepreneurship comes with a lot of risk and there's no certainty whatsoever, but it doesn't have to be hard at the very start. Not all the time. Hopefully 2024 is just as good. Number three. From your podcast, what were some of the doubts the audience didn't notice when you started recording and how did you solve them? 
This is an interesting question. I think my biggest doubt was whether I should continue to invest my time in the podcast. You see, when I started the podcast, I knew very, very well that I was not going to be able to monetize it anytime soon. Because every single person I've ever listened to has stated so. So unless you are Andrew Huberman or Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan, you are not going to be able to monetize in any significant way whatsoever. And when I say significant, I mean in a way that will sustain your livelihood. You just aren't. You might be able to get, say, $10, $100, $1,000. Honestly, that's not enough to live off. So I really doubted and I thought, well, if I really want to pivot off law, should I really be investing all my time into podcasts? Shouldn't I be doing something else that would actually allow me to build some form of a business and go on from there? So those are my huge doubts, but they've gone away in sense because I've realized that over time, there really was a lot of trust that was built onto this. And even though I was only doing a podcast, the fact that people listened to it and started to believe that, well, if you can do this little thing so well, then surely anything else that you provide, you would do to as high a standard, if not better. The next question is from Alessa. So Alessa says, step aside planning of an episode from outreach to guests to post-production. Oh my goodness. Okay, this is really, really long. So firstly, I have sort of a quote-unquote hit list. And this is a list that grows every single time I talk to a person, I attend a fiesta, or if I'm listening to a podcast, or I'm on scrolling on LinkedIn, and someone's profile pops up and I go, oh, that's a very interesting profile. So I throw it into my hit list. Then I will pick a day and I need to pick one soon where I will sit down, look through the list and go, okay, I need to start sending outreach emails to all these people. So I send it off. And normally these emails, I personalize them to each and every one. So it could take me anyway between four to five minutes to an hour and a half for each email. After that, I will follow up because majority of people, I would say 89% of people do not respond to the first email. So follow up. Then second follow up, then third follow up, really depends. If they say yes, then I schedule it. I will send them a release form. There's a debate among podcasters whether a release form is needed. You don't actually really need it, but hey, I'm a lawyer and an IP lawyer at that. So I know the importance of a release form. I may not need it now, but if I need it in the future, the last thing I want is to have to go back to all of my 150 guests and go, hey, can you please sign this form? So I want to take away all that stress in view of the possibility of needing to use the content elsewhere. So I get this release form signed first. Then I will send out a post where I announce that this guest is coming on. Does anyone want to submit questions to them? Then I do the prep work, the research just before the interview itself. And it really depends on who's coming on, especially if it's a content creator who's written a book, done movies, gone on 20 interviews. That takes forever. That time is cut down significantly when I listen at speed though. So I don't listen ever at original speed. The minimum I listen at 1.25. Sometimes I'll even listen at two. So a one hour podcast is going to take me half an hour to finish. So I do all that prep work. Then I go for the interview. It's an hour and a half, two, sometimes three. Then we edit the episode. Then I have to write the copy for the intro, the outro, put in the music. Then I will download that particular file. I will upload it onto my podcast host. Then I write the copy. So the title, the description itself. I create the web page for that particular episode, also the graphics as well. I create the media assets, i.e. the ones that I use to promote and say, hey, this is a snippet of this particular episode. Then I schedule it. Then I announce it on Instagram stories and on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter. You name it, it's there. And that's essentially one entire episode done. 
a lot of work. It takes a lot of time. Now, I have another question from Yu Zheng. So Yu Zheng says, how do you balance your nine to five with guest research and how do you get started in podcasting alone if you don't have a big team or driven friends to start it together and balance the workload together? Now, I can't answer how you balance with a big team because I don't have a big team. It's just me and my mom who helps to do the first cut of the interviews in terms of post-production. So in a way, I would say that's a lot easier because I don't have to sit around and go, hey, are you free to do this interview? Are you free to discuss how we're going to conduct this interview? I just do it. So before, because now I'm working on my own business, before when I had a nine to five, it was very much whatever free time I had. The only thing I did outside of work was really the podcast. So when you really think about it, that is a lot of time. I would probably start work at 8 p.m. on a weekday and I'll finish at 1 a.m., 2 a.m. So when you think about it, that's really six hours every single day, assuming I don't go out. Then on weekends, I devote it entirely to the podcast. And that can be 10 hours, can be 12 hours. So when you think about it, it's really 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours worth of time to create one episode every week. It is still tough, very, very tough. But that's where your inner drive has to come in. No one's pushing you. You're not going to be able to monetize anytime soon. Most people will probably never even hear or care or bother to ever listen to your episode. So do you care enough to do it? If you do, then do it. And finally, there's Eric. So Eric says, how top entrepreneurs, influencers, businessmen willing to do an episode of podcast with you when you just started? Now I'm going to assume what this question actually means, Eric, is that you're asking how did I end up getting top entrepreneurs to be willing to be a guest on Steamy when I first started? And this is something I've talked about before. I think it's ultimately all about the fact that if you don't ask, you don't get. I give an example of Guy Kawasaki. Now, Guy is one of the most famous marketers in the world. And I noticed that he has done a ton of interviews and so I asked him the question after consuming all of his content and basically attending all of his AMAs on Clubhouse. This was back in 2020. I asked Guy, why is it that you do so many interviews and why is it that you always give your email out at every single AMA on Clubhouse, which, mind you, has around 300 people each time? And also in all of his approximately 20 books published surely you don't want to be giving your email out so freely. And he told me that even though he gives out all the time, he doesn't get that many emails. Most people assume that he's so inundated with emails that they'd never, ever bother to email. So from that AMA, for instance, there are 300 people and he says around three people will ever email him from those 300. So of course he can manage that. Of course he will reply to all three. So that's a big lesson that I've learned. You just got to ask. You will absolutely have people who say no. Even to this day, I still have people who would say, well, I need you to have a ton of listeners before I even consider coming on. And that's okay. Or some people will say, no, this is just not a right fit for me. These people do happen. But you know what? There are so many people out there with incredible stories. You don't need to get hung up with one. If this doesn't work out, there's always going to be a better one out there. So just move on. And maybe in the future when you get a little bit bigger or if the opportunity rises, those people who rejected you before will say yes. But the important thing is don't give up, just keep moving on. All right, so thank you guys so much for sending in all of your questions. I hope that this was insightful and helpful. I really hope that you have been having a great time with your family and friends in this final day of 2023. 
And hey, I'm excited for 2024. I have so many interviews that I've been recording in Singapore, also in KL. And before I sign off, thank you. Thank you so much for listening, for following. If you don't mind, I would really, really love if you could, in fact, share more Steamy with people, with the people who you think would enjoy this. And also to leave a review as well. If you go to Apple Podcasts and scroll to the bottom, there is a section that says write a review. So if you could do that, that would be such a tremendously helpful thing to do because podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify really, really don't push podcasts out. It's impossible to get anyone to hear, which is why I said earlier that if you want to get reach, you really shouldn't be looking into podcasts. But I love this platform. I have no regrets and I fully intend to do this for the rest of my life. God willing. So I would appreciate it if you could help in this little way. And see you next Sunday in 2024. Thanks for listening.